Happy Holidays from the DSR Network. We are deeply appreciative of our members and the year that we've had. To celebrate the holiday season, we are offering a 50% discount on either your first month or first year of membership. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the members-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of December, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month or for the first year. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSRHOLIDAY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSRHOLIDAY. Thank you very much for your support. Happy holidays from all of us at the DSR Network. As we all spend the holidays with our families, we're bringing you some of the best episodes from the network on some of the biggest events of the year. We hope you enjoy this look back at 2023, and please look forward to another year of Deep State Radio. Nine, 12, 10, 28, 2, 23. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the podcast. You didn't think we were not going to have a special edition, did you? Because clearly the indictment of the former president of the United States is a big deal. It's something we've been talking about for a long time in uh, anticipation of the moment. The moment came uh, late uh, uh, yesterday. We're recording this on a Friday. And uh, it certainly uh, warrants some perspective. Uh, And uh, fortunately for us, we've got two of our friends who are able to provide that perspective. I'm going to start with Ed Luce and then a little bit. Allison Gill of... uh, of Muller, she wrote in the Daily Beans and uh, the Jack podcast uh, will uh, join us. Um, but first, of course, our um, uh, old friend um, of from the Financial Times, with whom we've been podcasting for I don't know eight or nine years. Ed, it's kind of it's up there. It's it, it's one of the I measure my life uh, DSR podcasts. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's how I measure time. It's interesting. Um, uh, J. Alfred Prufrock, Prufrock measured it in coffee spoons, right? Was that the... That yeah, sounds so. right. As long as we're not going to get into remembrance of things past, I'm going to keep my head above water in this conversation. Uh, yeah, no, I, of course, would go do that in the original French, but we're not. We will not, <laughs> we will not do that. Um, uh, but... Uh, uh, Ed, you have written twice about this indictment. A week ago, you wrote a column saying, don't do it. They went ahead, ignored your advice, <laughs> um, and, and indicted him. And you have written um, a column uh, yesterday or today, which is called Law Versus Man, Trump's Courtroom Drama Begins in the Financial Times. Um why don't you talk about the thesis of that one? Um, oh, thanks, David. Always great to be on. Um, the, you know, the original thesis was: look, 
let's um, let's start off with with a with an indictment that sort of fits the gravity of um, Trump's threat to this republic. This sedition that he is and insurrections he's been goading and all the other crimes. That it's less than ideal that we begin with. Um, um, Stormy Daniels and the hush money, and um, you know, as I think the New York Post have called it, the gathering stormy. Um, uh, and um, uh, it was certainly not. It was certainly not an argument that uh, any man, including an ex-president, is above the law, even if that law happens to be much safer territory for him. Uh, you know, namely misuse of or m- mis business accounting of his hush money payments to Stormy Daniels than um, other laws that are far more serious. But the, the service, I think, Bragg, at the very, very minimum, has provided through what is a very courageous act to be the first, um, the first public prosecutor to indict Trump. At the very minimum, the service he's provided is he's lowered the barriers to entry for other public prosecutors to indict Trump. He was the first to go, to take that leap. Um, and um, regardless of what happened, what is in this indictment, we don't know yet. I guess it'll be unsealed earliest next Tuesday when Trump is arraigned um, in New York. Regardless of what the fate is um, of, of Bragg's prosecution, um, that is an extraordinary um, act of public service that he has taken. Um, uh, I do believe that it's going to be much easier uh, for the... For the the, uh, the district attorney, attorney in Georgia, in Fulton County, for Jack Smith um, and for potentially other public prosecutors um, to indict Trump now that Bragg has, has done that. And so that's, you know, that, that's my response to this historic moment. Um, uh, I'm not a lawyer, and so I don't want to get too much into the weeds about what the weaknesses or otherwise might be of Bragg's particular indictment. Yeah, well, I've been interested in the degree to which lots of people seem to be willing to go into the weeds. I mean, you know, the whole leadership of the Republican Party um, talking about how uh, inappropriate this is. Uh, and yet nobody knows what the case is. You know, the indictment is sealed. Um, we, we, we already know that there are uh, perhaps 30 counts. Now, that could be 30 small potatoes, right? I mean, we don't know exactly what it is. Uh, but it might extend beyond what we thought it extends beyond. We just don't know. So it is premature, uh, don't you think, to comment on the case itself? I think it's highly premature. I mean, that's not going to stop. That's not going to stop anybody, whether they're, you know, um, um, malevolent, malevolently motivated, a la the Jim Jordans and the Comas, etc., um, or whether they're, you know, people like me, um, uh, um, feeling obliged to provide some kind of comment on what the chances of this case are. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of presume to know. I, I do, you know, listen to constitutional lawyers and practicing lawyers, people like our friend Rosa Brooks, you know, who have some questions about the novelty of the legal strategy that they think Alvin Bragg is probably pursuing here. But, you know, let, let's see. I, 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 um, I think, he's clearly not going to have taken a, an incredibly bold, unprecedented move like this unless he's got a reasonable probability in his mind, having hashed it out with his team, um, that this will end with success. 
So we must assume that. The guy is a, a talented public prosecutor. He has a previous conviction of Trump in corporate form, namely the Trump Organization. He has persuaded grand juries of that. Um, so I think he has form, and we must give him, we must give him um, extraordinary credit for the courage that this, that this step took. Uh, yeah, I, you know, another, you know, aspect of, of following this in the media has involved lots and lots of people um, uh, saying, oh, this is a test for American democracy. And uh, this will, this, you know, we'll, we're about to enter a difficult period. Um, but I'd like to pose uh, uh, the, the, the notion uh, that the test may have already come. You know, the the way to fail the test would have been not to do this. Uh, and that what we may see uh, over the course of the next several months with this indictment and other indictments um, uh, and with the likely consequence that this is not actually going to help Trump and with the likely consequence that he will lose yet another election or not actually even be a factor in it, that this might be the beginning of a period of uh, showing the strength of our democracy um, and uh, uh, its ability to tackle and deal with tough issues as it did in 2020, as it did in 2022. Um, uh, and uh, so, you know, there, there is a positive spin on this. I, I, I see uh, AG, Alison Gill, has joined us. Uh, uh, Allison, and I think you heard some of that question, but let me uh, pose it to Ed first, and then I'll ask you to comment on it. Yeah, I think the American democracy so far has, has, has held up, um, and the legal system is so far holding up, but you can't sort of, you can't listen to what the Jim Jordans or indeed the Tucker Carlsons are saying in response to the Alvin Bragg indictment. I mean, that line that this is an indictment of anybody who supports Trump that Tucker Carlson said, and that, you know, this would not be a good time to get rid of your AR-15. You know, I know a lot of this is just Fox ratings bluster, but this is with a seriously menacing potential. And so I don't want to declare um, that, the system, that the system worked too prematurely. I think that if this is his reaction to the Stormy Daniels-related case, an indictment of, of that... Uh, it's 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 unlikely the demagoguery is going to recede when and if I hope we get more grave indictments um, down down uh, down the pipeline. So um, I agree with you so far, uh, but I'm not quite so sanguine that it's not going to get worse. Um, Ag, I, there are several reasons that I wanted to have you here. First of all, you're my indictment therapist, uh, but secondly. Um, you know, you you actually set up a, 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 a Twitter account called Indictments Only or something to that effect. Uh, and you actually got to use it yesterday um, for the first time. When, and, and I thought that was worthy of note that, you know, that this has actually happened. So, you know, you have my question, which is this as actually a sign of the health of our system um, and not quite the dark day that a lot of people are spinning it as. Uh, but I'm open to any other comments you might have as well. Yeah, no, I agree with um, Edward. Um, and yeah, indictments only. I got to, I got finally got to tweet from indictments only. And I just want to say to everyone who's been accusing me of 
saying that there will be an indictment for the past seven years. Um, I only set that account up three or four weeks ago. So <clears throat> I think my timing was pretty, pretty right on. Um, but as far as the health of our democracy and, and what this, I think that this does show that we are a healthy democracy, that no one is above the law. And I think that that's very important for our national security. And I think it's very important for how the world perceives us. We know there's a big um, push right now for right-wing autocratic governments in a lot of different countries, um, not just ours, um, that autocracy is afoot uh, globally. And I think that, you know, many times when our when President Biden has been speaking, whether it was his first hundred days speech or a joint session in front of the, you know, both bicameral houses for State of the Union, he said, look, democracy works. Look at all the things that we've gotten done. And now he won't do this and he shouldn't do this. But we can add, look, it does work. Democracy does work. We do hold leaders accountable. Now, again, if we haven't seen the charges, but, you know, if this is just about the hush money payment, which I, I, I don't think that it is, uh, and I can talk about that in a minute if you want, but it, it doesn't really matter what the crime is. If a former president commits a crime and can be held accountable, that does, I think, bolster the health of our democracy uh, from people who would view us from, from outside. Well, and, uh, you know, we, you and I were talking about this before we went on the uh, air, and uh, I've been asked to go and do one of those Daily Beast columns, so I'm like writing the column, and it's how it's just on what Allison was talking about. How does the world see this? So I went and I looked at newspapers or websites um, uh, from 15 or 20 different places, uh, and frankly, uh, and contrary to some of the things I've heard in the media, um, the response has been kind of ho hum. Uh, it's been covered. But it's not the lead story. It's not even an important story. In many cases, there are other stories from the United States that have topped it, including, by the way, I would note that in a couple of countries, the Gwyneth Paltrow story um, topped it uh, on the on the website. But other aspects of U.S. relations certainly did. In China, you know, they were talking about the Taiwan visit, and in Israel, they were talking about the U.S.-Israel relationship. Um, but one of the reasons it's ho-hum, and I think this is, is, is a, a sort of should be a source of some humility for Americans who like to thump their chests about democracy, is that almost every other major democracy in the world has dealt with this long before we have. They have held their leaders accountable. In the UK, Boris Johnson is, is currently under scrutiny uh, for his misdeeds, Sarkozy. Um, was convicted in France. We had a German president in 2014, Christian Wolff, who uh, faced trial uh, on uh, corruption charges. Uh, uh, Silvio Berlusconi was a one-man crime wave and was convicted uh, of multiple different crimes, from sex crimes to uh, influence peddling, wiretapping, and uh, so forth. Uh, in Israel, of course, the prime minister is currently under indictment. In Pakistan, the current leader is, or the, the most recent leader, uh, Imran Khan, is 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 has been charged with countless uh, crimes. In India, not only did they just uh, uh, drum uh, the leader of the opposition out of the Congress for trumped-up charges, um, but uh, uh, Indira Gandhi was convicted of crimes. Lula 
serve time in jail for his crimes. Um, Vladimir Putin, of course, has been accused and a warrant issued for war crimes in Mexico. Uh, we have multiple leaders who have been investigated. Uh, in Korea, um, the for former president was uh, convicted and sentenced to 24 years in jail. And the, the point is, we're the ones who are freaking out about, um, you know, a leader being held accountable to the law where almost every other major country in the world has already done this. They've crossed this line. We're the ones who sort of created this idea of a monarchical leader who's above reproach. I was just wondering what your view is on that. Is that for Alison or me? For you. Um, because you have I, an accent and sound very cosmopolitan. Yeah, I mean, and of course, you know, with my accent, I, I, I'm delightedly going to take that little opportunity to talk about elected monarchies, etc. I mean, I do think there is a sort of, uh, the, the, there is a sheen that's now being taken off that position, which is why it's a very important moment for American democracy. Um, but you're right. Um, you know, in other systems, it's become, if not routine, it's certainly not unique. Uh, it's not, it's, it would no longer be historic in any of those countries for a, a former leader to be, to be sent to jail. And of course, Omat in, um, in Israel was sent to jail. So it's, it's happened before in Israel. Um, the um, slightly ho-hum reaction you described to the indictment of Al, the Alvin Bragg indictment, I think wouldn't probably describe um, a more serious Jack Smith one. You know, I, I think the world is extremely aware of what happened on January the 6th and the gravity of what was attempted then and what the meaning of insurrection and possible sedition is. And I think there would be a different kind of reaction. But, you know, you know, the world, you know foreign, foreign viewers and readers are very familiar with um, the American legal system. They've watched, you know, every CSI drama there is. They've watched the OJ trial. They've watched... Um, a lot of stuff, and they're aware that, you know, justice takes time, and it's a very complicated criminal justice system here with a lot of appeals. And so I think that that slight, slight underwhelmingness of their reaction might also be related to, to that. Um, but a Department of Justice indictment for serious federal crimes, alleged, alleged federal crimes, I think would merit quite a different reaction from the world. Be interesting. I, I do agree, by the way, this was treated more like a celebrity case in a lot of these countries. Um, the Pistorius case, Oscar Pistorius case, uh, and being him being released from jail, in, in multiple newspapers got more coverage or earlier coverage uh, than, than this one. Now, Alison, you can comment on that, but you also are going to tell me, us, our listeners, why you thought this was probably a broader case than had been surmised. So I'd love to hear that. Yeah, um, I, I will comment just um, briefly because, you know, last night um, Maddo came on MSNBC and, and her uh, and Chris Hayes at the handoff talked about the dispassionate and reasonable pursuit of justice. Uh, and, you know, in, in the bigger crimes, in the Jack Smith crimes, we probably won't see treason or sedition uh, or maybe even insurrection. We'll probably see something more along the lines of obstructing an official proceeding uh, and 793F under the Espionage Act for the documents and obstruction of justice 
uh, and perhaps a conspiracy, uh, 18 U.S. Code 371, things with less sexy sounding names. Um, but it will be, you know, if it if the indictments do come through, they will be an indictment of the plot to overthrow the government. It'll just have, a, I think, a less uh, exciting name than uh, some of the crimes that are much harder to prove than things like wire fraud for, you know, defrauding people on the big lie. Uh, but with the Alvin Bragg case, you know, their, their number one defense, uh, at least according to Joey Taco, which is, you know, Joseph Tacopino, his attorney, is that Trump would have hidden this and covered this up if there wasn't an election. So this is just part of his normal behavior. So I don't know that that second crime, there's a, a second crime required to bump up the business falsification you know, misdemeanor to a felony. I don't know that they will go for campaign finance crimes. <clears throat> it's very hard to prove. We know that from the the attempted prosecution from the Department of Justice of John Edwards, for example. But if it's something more along the lines of conspiracy, or even racketeering, um, the enterprise laws, uh, enterprise corruption laws, OCCA in New York, also known as Little Rico. Um, could come into play here. In fact, you know, we recently learned from the Wall Street Journal that uh, Alan Weisselberg swapped out his attorneys for a Trumpier attorney named Seth Rosenberg. And Seth Rosenberg is a racketeering expert. He actually ran the the Rackets Bureau at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office before. And so I'm wondering if um, it's not something more than simply these business falsification and potential uh, campaign finance violations. But again, that's all speculation. These indictments are still under seal. We know the judge uh, Merchon is weighing, potentially unsealing them prior to arraignment. He can do that. The DA can ask him to do that. Um, and we believe from reporting, I think from MSNBC, that he is weighing that uh, potential. He did actually allow Alvin Bragg to announce the indictment prior to unsealing. So we could see <clears throat> the charges unsealed before arraignment, but if not, arraignment is supposed to take place on Tuesday. We'll see how that works out, and we'll know what those charges are, and then I think we can talk more uh, about their applicability. Um, Ed, do you have any reaction to that, or perhaps, because I, um, I know you well, perhaps you have a question for Allison. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, you know, infinitely more about um, the, the legal um, complexities and potential um, here in this case. But if it if he goes down the racketeering for the underlying crime, if he goes down the the racketeering um, route, for example, would that be considered a more? Um, it's not. It's not such a novel route, right? Uh, particularly if it's the New York racketeering laws, not a federal racketeering law, laws. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, that is not novel. Um, and, and neither is business falsification. As we know, he has, Alvin Bragg himself, just since he's taken over, has prosecuted about 120, 117, I think, uh, business falsification records cases. Uh, but yeah, OCA, OCCA, Little Rico is not novel. It has uh, been in, around in New York, I think, since 1986. Um, uh, and then, of course, there's also uh, conspiracy. Um, which uh, and conspiracy to uh, defraud voters, things like that. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of the statute in New York, but there's other other things to look at. But all of those crimes have are not new um, and uh, have been charged successfully multiple times, particularly out of this office. 
Um, but sorry, just to follow up on that, I, I presume he's not going to brag. I mean, maybe this is a wrong presumption, but I presume Bragg is not going to stop at business falsification. That's just a misdemeanor, isn't it? Correct. And this is a felony um, from the Supreme Court of New York. Uh, they only present felony cases. So it ha- there has to be a second crime that has bumped up the business falsification. Inter- in- interesting. One of the things that strikes me is, of course, we whenever we get a big piece of news, we go, oh, my God, big piece of news. This will define us forever. Um, but this big piece of news is 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 the tip of the iceberg. Right. It's you know, there are other indictments coming and within a fairly short period of time. And it won't feel that way to us, um, particularly since Alice and I will periodically be saying to you, why hasn't it happened yet? But. Uh, you know, it's sooner or later, um, there are going to be a bunch of these. This is going to be the in the atmosphere, and they're going to be around for a couple of years. These cases are going to take a while to progress. Um, and, you know, Donald Trump is going to be a defendant in multiple places simultaneously. I don't know if it's going to be in all these cases, but in multiple places simultaneously. Um, and I just don't understand how that can possibly be helpful to him. Um, uh, although there are all these, you know, smart pundits out there are like, oh, well, this is, this is going to give him a, a big boost, you know, like the first time in our history, um, that, you know, being indicted by four different, you know, um, jurisdictions is, is, is a good thing. Uh, what do you think, Alison? Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to make it clear that no crime, whether you're convicted or not, unless it's insurrection, can prevent you from running for office. So he he will probably continue to run for president. You can run for president from jail. We've had somebody do that in the past. Um, and, you, you know, there's the, the Constitution is very clear on that. Um, but I, I, what was the beginning of uh, the beginning part of that no, the beginning part of the question was that uh, um, uh, that this can't possibly be a good thing for him. No, absolutely not. Right now, um, <clears throat> we know MSNBC was down at Mar-a-Lago, and there are literally eight Trump supporters down there, and there are zero in front of the courthouse in New York. Um, we had one woman arrested in New York. She was the lone Trump supporter. She actually pulled a knife on a family and was quickly, quickly arrested. Um, and and I, any, I, I just don't understand anyone who's saying that this will help him. Um, I mean, it's going to, I imagine his dwindling and small base will dig their heels in even more to support him on this. We've seen uh, some um, prominent Republicans like Lindsey Graham and, um, you know, Kevin McCarthy say that they support Donald. Um, we know his MAGA sect and the Freedom Caucus always will. But... Um, I don't see this as in any way, shape, or form being good for him. And if he needs help in, you know, fighting multiple crimes in multiple jurisdictions, I'm sure he can just call his friend Manafort and uh, ask him for some advice on how to handle multiple trials in different jurisdictions, because it happens. It happens. He's right now he's facing multiple civil suits in different jurisdictions, and he actually tried to play two judges off each other to try to delay those trials. Uh, But Robbie Kaplan, who's Eugene Carroll's lawyer, caught wise and told the judges not to fall for it. And both of the judges denied moving those trials. And, and 
They just have to schedule around each other. And if we see different, if we see Fulton County come out, we know that there's indictments recommended by the special purpose grand jury in Fulton County. If she comes and indicts Trump, and then if the Department of Justice follows suit or whoever goes first, and we don't know if they'll do the documents first and then January 6th later or at the same time, and then there will be probably, like you said, superseding indictments on in the Trump case because he's still being investigated by Alvin Bragg's office for the tax fraud and valuation fraud. Um, we could, and then we know, look, Westchester County, New York is, is investigating him criminally for Seven Springs Estates. The Southern District is investigating Truth Social criminally. He could have seven or eight different criminal trials going on at, at one at any given time, and uh, that's going to make it real difficult for him to run for president. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with that. Edger smiling here, um, uh, and I understand why this could make somebody smile. But the uh, although it may not be why it's making you smile. The lo- the longer Addison talks, the broader my sort of general you know, cheerfulness about the future. <laughs> yeah, she has that effect on us. But um, she just makes us happy. But, uh, uh, you know, given what she just said and the likelihood of all of these things and other trials and so on and so forth, the instantaneous reaction of Republican leaders to come to Trump's aid, including Ron DeSantis, and there's no love lost there, saying, oh yeah, I will deny an extradition, which is by the way, directly contrary to the Constitution. He doesn't actually have the power to do that. Uh, Lindsey Graham on TV, weeping, weeping at how, you know, what a a, 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 a travesty this is and that, um, uh, you know, you should send money to Donald. It's amazing the way Donald Trump has gone from being a billionaire, by the way, to somebody whenever he has a, cr- a problem, he immediately goes to the poorest people in America and say, please give me more money. That's a kind of a special phenomenon. But 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 anyway, do, what do you think the consequences might be for all of these reflexive Trump defenders if this snowballing tsunami, to really screw up a metaphor, um, uh, 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 continues? The problem is that the deeper you're in, the less likely you, you, you are to, get, to cut your losses and get out. They're so deep in already. Uh, we really shouldn't be surprised that that was their instinctive, um, you know, spineless response um, to Alvin Bragg's indictment. You know, go back any number of sort of moments where they could have, they could have got off the, the Trump bandwagon. Um, uh, maybe the last was really, you know, in the wake of the 2020 election. And that's when Liz Cheney got off. Uh, she'd been on it pretty much um, fully until then. Uh, and so it doesn't surprise me. You know, I do think the only respect in which, I mean, Ron DeSantis's tweet, his statement on Twitter shortly after the indictment was announced, will, I think, go down as his sort of, I was for the war before I was against it. It's like, you are, you are, this is a performative, moot, empty gesture of fighting extradition. Uh, you don't mention Trump by name. Uh, it's this kind of mealy-mouthed, trying to triangulate the the same part of the Republican Party the, uh, and and the mega donors who are backing him, the Ken Griffins, um, with the MAGA base, and they're untrianglable. Um, so um, you know that doesn't work. So you're either with Trump or you're or you're against him. DeSantis will be will be punished for not being fully with him. 
Um, and therefore, I think, you know, paradoxically, even though this is a disaster for Trump and therefore for the Republican Party, it does increase his, his chances of becoming the nominee next year. Yeah, I, which I, we I, love. But, Democrats love that because, you know, as long they, as he doesn't win, <laughs> they've been trying to step away. Republicans have been trying to step away from Donald Trump for a while now. We've seen the donors back out. We've seen the RNC back out. We've seen Fox News try to back out. And every single time they do something like this, they yoke themselves to Donald Trump as a party. And that is cause for celebration from from the Democrats. We'd have a, a lot harder time beating like a John Kasich in a general election. Um, and now because of this this extreme MAGA base, the primaries are so difficult for the Republican Party. Um, and, you know, it, it just reminds me of Adam Schiff in that in that um, well of the Senate speech during the second impeachment saying your names will be tied to his and with a court of steel for all of history. And that is something that they wish they could get away from. But like you said, they've had a million off ramps and they haven't taken a single one of them. They, they didn't... Uh, vote to convict him after second impeachment on a technicality saying that, well, he's not the president anymore, so we don't uh, convict former president. They had a perfect opportunity for him to to, to never ha- run again, because that's one way you can get a president to never run again, is if he's been impeached and you write that in the conviction. So um, if they want to continue to yoke themselves to this man and yoke the party to Donald Trump, it's fine by me. <laughs> well, it's fine. Uh, but, you know, uh, Ed, I, I think... Uh... I think it's probably also fined by Joe Biden. Joe Biden, you know, I mean, he's had his ups and downs in his life. I'm not minimizing what he's gone through. But he's a lucky politician. Because the one of the best things you can do as a politician is, is pick good enemies. And, you know, having Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin as your enemies, that's, you know, that can, that can make for... A successful presidency, right? And they're helping us with that. That blows my mind. I mean, if I if I were to begin my presidential career behind a Rawlsian veil of ignorance, and I could pick my foreign enemy, and I could pick my domestic enemy, it would be Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. So I would agree with you on that point. Yeah, I I frankly have lived my life behind a Rawlsian veil of ignorance, and I don't even know what a Rawlsian veil of ignorance is. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's exactly where I am. Uh, let me ask you a quick question here, uh, Allison, before we go. Um, I, uh, you know, next up, I'm, I'm always like, so what's next? You know, next up, it seems likely that it's Fulton County. But A, Fulton County hasn't happened yet, so I don't know why that's the case, and that troubles me. And B... Georgia is aren't they trying to change the law so that they can get rid of her and wouldn't that motivate you to speed things up and um what do you think's going to happen with that Well that law would <clears throat> if the commission they would have to form it and then they would actually have to vote on that and there would be appeals that would take much longer I think than uh, the window of uh, imminent indictments coming from Fonnie Willis but it's also true that Jack could go. Uh, Jack Smith could go uh, quickly here in the documents case. I mean, he just was able to compel the test testimony of Evan Corcoran under the crime fraud exception, and he had subpoenaed about twenty seven people and has interviewed them all. And to me, Corcoran seems like one of the last witnesses. 
uh, in that obstruction case of the documents case. Now, of course, it depends on whether Jack Smith is going to release these like Mueller did as he gets them, as the crimes, as he gets evidence for crimes, he, he charges those crimes, or whether he's going to hold it all and, you know, release them all at, at one point. But so that that indictment, I think, uh, for obstruction, which is a pretty clear-cut case, could come quicker than we think. Uh, so we'll, we will see, um, like you said, but I don't necessarily think, and the experts I've talked to don't necessarily think that this new legislation about to be signed by Brian Kemp down in Georgia is going to impact Fonnie Willis's investigation too much, but I could be wrong. Yeah, there's one other aspect of this, and Ed, you're not you know, legal commentator, but uh, I suspect you may have a view on this. I, 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 as I was driving here to do this, I heard that Trump will be in New York, not just on Tuesday, but he'll be there the following week as well, because he has to do a deposition. Uh, and I think it's a New York attorney general case, but one of the cases that has to do with um, it, corporate malfeasance, uh, he's undoubtedly going to have to do deposition uh, or be on the stand uh, in this case with regard to um, uh, the, the the Bragg indictment. This is a compulsive liar. So you know, the, the putting him, the, this is like a, a crime machine. Putting putting him, you know, under oath is the surest way of, people have thought for a long time to get uh, Donald Trump. Uh, uh, because everything for him is a perjury trap. So it's remarkable to think, you know, how many years he's been going through bankruptcy courts and basically cheating, cheating the banks of, of his deserved fate. Um, and what kind of false self-confidence that must give him um, in a criminal situation, which he's got less experience of. He should have a lot of experience, but he's got less experience of that than civil courts. Um, and then, of course, there's the whole sort of apprentice career that came in between. Um, I think the, the, the Houdini sort of reputation of Trump probably lives largest in his own head. But there must be portions of that head, maybe subconscious ones, that are living in terror right now of, of reality finally catching up to him. Um, uh, you know, again, I am not a lawyer and I'm not a legal expert. And, you know, there are lots of different potential cases here uh, and one actual one now unfolding. Um, so I don't want to make any predictions, but just psychologically, I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty sure of that hunch that 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 Trump's got that that very Trumpian combination of massive sort of self-belief masking. And this is the sort of classic characteristic of a malignant narcissist masking a deep insecurity. Yeah, and, 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 and just this can be the last question, but Allison, uh, isn't that manifest in the way that he's even responded to this? Because I, I don't know, you know, you know, you know more about the law, but let's say one of us were indicted for something. I pr it would probably be a bad idea to attack that prosecutor and call them an animal or use racial ethnic slurs about them um, or to suggest that violence would befall them uh, or to pose with a baseball bat. I mean, it it does suggest the kind of um, uh, hubris that could get somebody in legal pro jeopardy uh, or am I 
misreading this, Allison? Um, it could maybe lead to a gag order um, while he's awaiting trial. We'll see. Usually they uh, let you off the hook once and then they bring you back in like with the Roger Stone crosshairs against uh, Judge Amy Berman Jackson. Uh, but New York might operate differently. But yeah, especially if your defense, one of your defenses is that this is politically motivated and he hates me, yet you're the aggressor, uh, that's just going to really damage any potential tiny chance of an appeal that you might have on a, on a political witch hunt claim. Um, it's, I, I just, <laughs> I need to go in after the judge now too, by the way, this has been, this case has been uh, assigned to the same judge that oversaw the 17 count indictment conviction for the Trump organization in New York. So uh, judge uh, Juan Merchan. So it's the same judge and he's already attacking the judge as well. Just not the brightest crayon in the sea, honestly. The brightest crayon in the sea? Yeah, I like to mix my metaphors. Yeah, no, that was that was a color colorfully mixed metaphor. Um, well, look, you guys have provided just the kind of insight I think everybody needs. It is great for you to scramble and make yourselves available to our listeners on this short notice. Uh, I encourage everybody to listen to all of Allison's podcasts. I'm surprised she has time to join us since she has uh, Daily Beans and she has Jack and she has her indictments website um, and, you know, so on. Uh, but we're grateful. And, uh, of course, Ed has now become the... New York crime columnist for the Financial Times. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this from you. Um, and I will remain here comfortably behind my Rawlsian veil of ignorance. Um, <laughs> hence, from which all my questions flow. But for now, thank you, Ed. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us. And we'll be back again uh, next week with more of the same old stuff. Uh, bye bye.